Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Can you all take one step to the right? (laughs) I said this way, but that's my right. Okay, go back to the left. And you can have a seat. Sam always asks me how how it goes when he's not here, and now I can say that I really moved you guys. So thank you for that. I won't be lying. You guys know what a proverb is? Not the, not the book in the Bible. Those are, that's a book filled with proverbs. But besides that, there are lots of proverbs in life. A proverb is simply a short saying that usually is, becomes popular because it contains something simply true. Maybe a piece of advice, usually wisdom. So I thought I would start off by reading this short list of proverbs written by kids. No matter how hard you try, you can't baptize a cat. I'm a little hoarse still. I've been sick all week, so I apologize for that. Uh, When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. (laughs) It's very wise. Never ask your three-year-old brother to hold a tomato. I'm sure there's a story behind that one. I don't know what it is. Don't sneeze when someone is cutting your hair. Don't wear polka dot underwear underneath white shorts. I like this one. Don't say the last one is a rotten egg unless you're sure there is a slower kid behind you. If you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. That's pretty smart. You can't start over just because you're losing the game. You can't be everyone's best friend. Never hold a vacuum and a cat at the same time. And, yeah, there's definitely a story there. And this one. If you want someone to really listen, whisper. Good. Wisdom from the mouth of babes. And wisdom... It's part of what we'll be talking about today, but we'll get back to that in just a second. <clears throat> Did you know that there is a subgenre of poetry that is called carpe diem poetry? I didn't know this. This is news to me. But I, if you're like me, you, you recognize the, the term carpe diem. It means seize the day. Um, and I learned that phrase from the movie Dead Poet Society. I don't know if you did, Um, but you remember the scene. If you've ever seen the movie, and if you haven't, you probably should because it's a really good movie, 
where Mr. Keating, new teacher, takes his class out of the classroom, out into the hall, and they have their textbooks, and he asks one kid whose name is, his last name is Pitts, so he calls him Mr. Pitts, which he says is an unfortunate name. Mr. Pitts, will you read the first stanza from the poem you'll find on page 159 of your textbook? So he does. Kid opens it up, and he reads this poem. Gather ye rosebuds while you may. Old time is still flying away. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Feels a little sad. Feels a little hopeless. The name Carpe Diem originally comes from, originally was coined, I guess, by the Italian poet named Horace. And um, as far as I could tell, it was first published in his book called The Odes, or his first book of odes published in uh, 23 BC, where he wrote this. This is obviously translated from Latin. But he says, Be wise, strain the wine, and cut back hope for a long life in a short time. While we talk, envious time will flee. But seize the day, trusting as little as possible into the future. Again, it's a little dismal, right? He's basically saying, life is short, live while you can, because that's the end. Seize the day, make it count. Life is short. And as Mr. Keating said in Dead Poet Society, he said, Carpe diem, boy, seize the day. And then he whispered, using the wisdom of that kid, whoever wrote that proverb, and he said, Make your life extraordinary. The point of most of the poetry that you'll find in, this, in the genre called Carpe Diem poetry is that. It is always that. This kind of uh, fatalistic view of life that is short, and there's some truth to that. And, and, and seizing the day is a beautiful thought. And I just kind of want to riff on that for a little bit this morning. And as we're thinking about 2019, as both of my brothers before me mentioned this morning, <clears throat> that's kind of what I want to lay in our, in our minds. Maybe a little challenge to, to think about the new year as not just another year, but as a year for which is ours to take. This... Um, this kind of thought, though, this, this whole carpe diem thing, this kind of view that everything is limited, so take advantage of everything while you can. It is the wisdom of the ages, and I want to acknowledge that. It goes back, obviously, to Horace in B.C. 23, but before that, the teacher, commonly thought to be King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, he wrote something similar, right? He coined that little phrase called let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we, uh, in our age, we might say let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow they might make it illegal. (laughs) Or better yet, for the holidays we could say eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die it. (laughs) A little holiday humor. 
Horace, his first book of Odes from 23 BC is particularly interesting in light of our text this morning. So let me read it one more time for you. Be wise, strain the wine, and cut back hope for a long life in a short time. While we talk, envious time will flee, seize the day, trusting as little as possible to the future. Now, if you have your copy of the scriptures on your phone or in paperback, leather bound, whatever you've got, would you open up to Ephesians chapter 5? And we're going to camp out here. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Paul writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's almost as if Paul is answering Horace. It's almost like he's familiar with that stanza of that poem written in 23 BC because there's some parallels here. Some of it, he says, we can agree with and some of it we need to take a step further. So let's look at these a little bit, a little bit in comparison. Both men compel us to be wise. One says, be wise, don't waste your time, go ahead and drink the wine, right? And the other one says, don't be foolish, make the most of every opportunity. One says, cut back on hope. Don't, don't give yourself too much to hope because you're going to be disappointed. The other one says, make the most of every opportunity. One has given up, but one has dug down deep. Both agree that the days are evil. Time is fleeting. One guy says, drink the wine. The other guy says, okay, but don't get drunk. (laughs) Don't get drunk. Don't be controlled by it is the point he's making. Because instead, make a way, make way for the spirit of God to lead you. One guy says, don't put too much stock into tomorrow because it doesn't look good. But Paul keeps going. He says, you know what it looks like when the Spirit fills you? It looks like music. I might be a little partial to that, but he definitely goes into this. Joy, hope, and gratitude. He says, speaking to one another. Take note. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. It's filled with joy. It's filled with hope. It's filled with gratitude. 
we come to the end of a year, and maybe it's been a rough one. Maybe it's been a good one. Maybe life has been, maybe it's a culmination of several years where you're just like, man, it seems to be speeding by me. The older I get, the faster it goes. And I find myself just going through the motions because I've done it so many days before. So many weeks, so many months, so many years. Maybe life has beat you down so far to the point that you've stopped looking for opportunities, but they are always there. And that's Paul's point. God-given divine appointments sketched into heaven's calendar with your name on them. Ours is just to open our eyes to the potential friends. This time of year, the end of the year, it's common if you work in a retail store or a manufacturing business or a warehouse, it's common that you would take stock of your inventory. Most people that work at those places hate this time of year because it's long hours, sometimes it's overnight. Um, My first job out of high school was working at Target, and I was... The, on the inventory crew, so I knew this. It was going to be from 10 o'clock at night to whenever we were done in the morning. And it was rough. But this is what you do. You take stock because you want to know how you made out for the year. There's going to be shortages. There's going to be... You just got to gotta balance the books kind of thing, right? That's what inventory does. Um, if you watch TV or, um, I don't know, look at any kind of media at all, read a magazine... This is the week for year in review, right? Everywhere. You're going to go through what's hot, what's not. <laughs> what happened this year, what didn't happen, what happened, uh, what's going to happen, what they're looking forward to. It's the year in review. Everybody's looking back to take stock of the kind of year 2018 has been. And it's not a bad idea. So as we sit here together right here in this multi-purpose room or wherever you are tuning in from if you're listening to the podcast. Let's take stock on our own year in review. Pokemon Go is not the big thing anymore. (laughs) It came and went. Um, I understand because... I understand that people don't really do New Year's resolutions anymore. Is that true? Do you guys, does anybody in here do resolutions? We have one. One. It's your youth. We have one optimistic person because it's pretty sad when you get to the point. See, you too. It's pretty sad when you get to the point where you're like, ah, I'm not going to follow that anyways. You don't, you don't even believe yourself. I'm just going to quit in a month anyways. It's pretty sad. So don't stay gold. Stay gold. (laughs) Uh, It's good. Um, The truth is, if we're not setting resolutions, if we're not making goals, then there's a good chance that we're just floating by. We're just going through the motions. We're just doing what we've always done because it's got us where we are, and that's okay. But it's not extraordinary. 
and it might not even be where we want to be. So I'm going to make that challenge, I guess, to myself included. I haven't set a resolution in a long time. I used to until I realized that nobody else was doing it, and then I was like, oh, they're probably right. (laughs) I'm probably not going to lose those pounds or whatever it might be. But I'd like to go deeper than that, so let's look at this. Jonathan Edwards, um, when I say that, I always think in the, I think in the 90s or in the 2000s, there was like a, a guy that had a TV show named Jonathan Edwards, and he was, like a, he was like, a, like a psychic. Remember that guy? That's not the guy I'm talking about. Also not the politician. He was a famous Puritan theologian. And when he was 17 years old, ah, right, youth, when he was 17 years old, he penned 70 resolutions that he would follow for the rest of his life. He said he would read them once a week to see where he's at. And sometimes he would add to them, so he would date the additions in his book. You know, we're talking 1722. But let me read just a couple. I'm not going to read 70 of them to you because you'd go cross-eyed. But, but check this out. 17 years old, okay? He says, resolved, never lose one moment of time but seize the time to use it in the most profitable way, profitable way I possibly can. 17 years old. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolved never to do anything out of revenge. Resolved to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing is in me that causes me to doubt the love of God, even the the least little bit, and then to direct all my forces against it. Resolved to maintain the wisest and healthiest practices in my eating and drinking. (laughs) Y'all, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I think our resolution game is not on point. Right? Last one. Resolved to strive to my utmost every week to be brought to a higher spiritual place and to a greater experience of grace than I was the week before. Isn't it beautiful? He's saying, I don't want to let life happen to me. I want to feel every moment. I want to seize every moment. I want to breathe life into every moment and be alive in it. There's something that happens where we just let life go on around us and we take our focus off what our purpose is. So the beautiful thing about Ephesians, about the book of Ephesians, is that it does all of this. It starts off by talking about God's purposes throughout all time. It talks about our identity in Christ. What Jesus has done to bring us into the fold, to be part of God's family. It's a really beautiful book. And then when we get to to chapter 5, and we're talking about verse 15, and he says, we need to be careful about the way we walk. We need to be very careful If you're looking at an older translation, it'll say, walk circumspectly. 
take examination. Let's do real talk for a second. Has anyone ever stepped in it? You know it? Right? Dog, you do. I said it. <clears throat> Maybe you were taking a long stroll in the park on some grassy knoll, some beautiful day, and you're looking up at the clouds or whatever it is, and before you know it, you're throwing away a perfectly good pair of vans because you're not about to go digging through the waffle print. <laughs> it was because you weren't looking where you were going, right? That's the idea, <laughs> sort of, that Paul's saying. He's saying we need to be focused. We need to walk carefully. The days are evil. We're missing opportunities. And every time we miss an opportunity that's foreordained by God for us to take part in, right? We know this also in Ephesians, that you are God's poem. We're talking about poetry. We are God's poetry. We are his workmanship. And he has planned good works for each one of us in advance so that when we walk through life carefully, we discover those opportunities. We're finding them. We're living in the moment. We're part of this because the Spirit of God is in us and leading us. And this is what we're called to. This is how we're called to walk. But if we are not, if we are just letting life happen, we're missing the opportunities. We're we're walking right by them. We're throwing away a lot of good shoes. Paul says, when he starts this, he says, you know, very literally, he says, walk therefore, right? Or walk then, depending on your translation. So when you see words like that, you have to go, okay, he's, this is, we're, we're coming to this. We're coming, obviously, chapter 5, verse 15. There's more context before this. There's more context after this. We're in a very transitional part of the, of the book. So he's wrapping up one thought, and he's about to go on to another thought, which has got to do with families. And so he's saying, walk then, therefore. So we're going to go back because he's saying all of this, right? Since Jesus has done these things, since God has this plan and purpose throughout all history, since he has done all the heavy lifting and all the work and the cross, and we're looking back on that now. And he says, when we get to chapter 4, he says, therefore, therefore, because he's done all of that, walk worthy of the calling that has been Put on your life. You've been given a new identity, but you're still living like the old person. You've been given a new life. You're a new creation, but you don't know how to walk in it yet. He's saying, so this is it. Walk worthy of this calling that God has placed on your life. And he goes on. There's, there's seven walks, if you want to look at the book of Ephesians sometime this week. There's seven different walks that he, he'll say, walk like this, walk like that, walk worthy of the calling. Walk in love. Walk as children of light. And when we get to 15, verse 15 of chapter 5, he's saying, walk in wisdom. Be careful out there. Display wisdom. I want to be clear, he's not saying don't drink wine. And if you're one of those people that likes to split hairs, he's like, you're like, oh, he said don't get drunk on wine, but I still got beer and whiskey. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what he means. He means don't be drunk. He's saying... He's saying, you can have a drink, tells Timothy that. But he's saying, do it with wisdom. 
careful. Be careful how you walk. And the bigger context of when he's saying that about wine is that you're not to let wine change the way you think. That's why drunkenness is the problem, not the drink. Because the Holy Spirit is to be in control of your facilities, not alcohol. So I just wanted to be clear about that. So again, walk worthy of the calling you have received. In 5.1, walk in the way of love. In 5.9, walk as children of light. And here, walk in wisdom. All of it points to a simple little phrase. As we look forward to 2019, we look back on 2018, don't waste your life. It is fleeting. Time flurries by us. Seems the older you get, the faster it goes. You are not the same old person with a little more Jesus added to you. You are a new creation with a new identity and therefore a new purpose. Given new opportunities, don't waste your life. When Paul says that the days are evil, it's just a way of saying something that's probably what you think. But that's always a weird statement. The days are evil. Well, what is, that sounds like spooky a little bit. But he's just saying, look, we know, we know this. It's hard out there. There's bad stuff happening every day, everywhere you look. And if we're not seizing the day, if we're not redeeming the time, if we're not making use of carpe diem, if we're if we're not making the most of every opportunity that's been given to us, that's been handed over to us, that's been set before us, these opportunities that are meant for us to be blessed in and to bless others in, they're meant for us to seize, we're just handing those moments over to the evil days. We're taking what was meant for good and giving it to whatever takes it next. He says, in essence, Friends, live with utter intentionality. Don't let your life become a series of days where you just go through the motions. Not you. Not you. Not me. That's not, he says, what you're called to. That's not what you're called to. In verse 17, he says it. Again, he, this time he impacts it a little bit more. He says, don't be foolish, right? First, it's walk in wisdom. Not as unwise, but wise. Now he's saying, don't be foolish. Think we need to hear that? <laughs> and then he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I think when I hear that, I'm like, wow. When I was a youth pastor, the number one question that I always got asked was, what's, what's God's will for me? I'd always say, see that guy right there? His name's Will. I call him God's Will. Go ask him. Just kidding. I did say that sometimes, but Will was a good guy. and he, he Anyways. Um, it's a big question. And Paul says, don't be a fool. Know what God's will is. And we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. But he doesn't leave us hanging too long. Because he tells us in the next verse, this is kind of like a list that we're going through here. This is God's will. Don't be drunk on wine, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Before I was a Christian, I was a, I was kind of one of the, I don't know your testimony. I know a lot of people who are like, you know, one day I wasn't, and the next day I was, and this is what happened. It was like magic, boom, I was a Christian. And I didn't have that experience. Mine was like, <laughs> I was super dense. So I feel like God worked on me for like a number of years before I was like, okay. I, I just, I had to, had to have like a, a list of like 50 questions answered before I was ready to put my faith in this. And it was a really slow, long process for me. But one of the things I remember that was really impacting to me was that um, um, made some friends who were believers. Now, that might not seem like super out of the ordinary to you, but my experience had been the people in my life who were called themselves Christians, they were just crazy. And not in a good way. <laughs> they, were, they, they made it very scary to me. And uh, they made it pretty unappealing to me. But at some point, in the middle of all these questions that I was asking, God brought some people into my life who were devout followers of Jesus, but who made God look really attractive. You see? It wasn't watered-down Christianity. It wasn't something weird like that. It was just really real people who didn't make God seem like some mean ogre in the sky, which had been my experience before that. So it took something like that for me. And I, and I want to, I want to, you know, as we're thinking about this new year and we're thinking about our purpose in it, I don't want to just, I don't want to walk out of here and, and, and have all of us think, okay, all right, you know, I'll do a resolution. I'm going to go back to the gym. Cool. If you want to do that, go for it. But let's go deeper than that. Let's make this year about making God look as beautiful and as glorious and as good as he really is. Because somebody out there is on the verge and they've only been shown a really bad picture of who Christ is. And they need to know the truth. And if we are God's poetry, and if we are the living epistles the Bible tells us we are, telling this story, sharing the gospel through the way we live, 2019 can be glorious. It can be a whole game changer for, for us because we would be just simply making the most of every opportunity that's been set before us. You guys ever been to Disneyland? Ever, anybody, has anybody not been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride? We've all been on that, maybe. Right before the dip... What happens? Dead men tell no tales, right? The, the, the talking, it used to be the talking skull. I think now it's like an animated thing, but I'm not sure. I haven't been there for a while. But anyways, it used to be the talking skull, and he would say, dead men tell no tales, right? And then you'd scream and go down the thing. I didn't scream. <laughs> uh, I think it's funny because... 
I, I remember, you know, we're talking about songs and making music and, and what joy does in our hearts, what, what gratitude does in our souls and our spirits. It changes it. It changes us. We might not be singers. We might not even care to sing, except in the shower and in the car and, you know, no one's looking. Might not be us. But Paul gives us this reality, this kind of this, this list. Like, if you are filled with the Spirit, this is what it looks like. You're going to sing songs to each other. To each other. We don't necessarily do that very often. Because that would be weird. <laughs> but that's what it says. That's what he says. We can do this because somebody needs to be encouraged. Send them a song lyric, something that speaks to you. Send them something, something from the Psalms that you're reading. Send it to somebody because somebody needs to be encouraged. That's what he's saying. We, as we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to be like, man, this, this, is, this song speaks to me, and I, and I feel like I need to share it with somebody or sing it with somebody or just speak it to somebody. Make music in your hearts to the Lord. This is what happens. Like We're going to be worshiping in 2019. Because that's what it looks like when we're filled with the Spirit. There's gratitude. We have a lot to be thankful for. And maybe that's what we do when we look back on 2018. We think, man, what a year we've had. For some of us, there have been marriages and new babies New friendships, new jobs, new houses, new cars. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that happened in 2018 that maybe we haven't even thought about. There have been a million laughs. There have been new dreams to dream. But it hasn't always been easy. And it hasn't always been good. In 2018, there have been disappointments. There have been tears. There's been sickness and hospitals, family difficulties and deaths. Some of us are just so tired all the time. Some of us are facing burnout in our jobs or in our families. Some of us feel disconnected all the time. It's been a year that Some of us will never forget, for better or for worse. But if we can learn anything from the teacher of Ecclesiastes, right, or the birds, we know that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be, a time to die, a time to be born, a time to plant, a time to root, uproot. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. 
There's time for all of it. One of the things that I read this week was that somebody said, stop saying you don't have time for things. <laughs> because you do. And now I'm guilty of this more than anybody. Because somebody will say, hey, can we get together this week? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, no. I don't have time for that. I might not say it like that. But literally, my, my schedule is full. New job, baby at home, family, boys need this. You know, we have, we have a lot going on. But this is a good time to take stock of our priorities. You do have time for it. You just don't want to do it. And that's okay. But stop saying to yourself, at least, that you don't have time for anything. Because the most successful people this year had time to do that. They had time to get there. They made time to get where they wanted to be. And so whatever that looks like, if it means going to the gym, great. If it means going on a diet, great. If it means the the typical things that we resolve to do at the beginning of a new year, great. But if it means more than that to you, if success looks like more than that to you, spiritually speaking, you have time for it. You just have to make the time for it. Everybody has the same amount of hours in a day. It's not easy. We are, we are the generation of schedule keepers. And, and at some point, we made busyness look like success. We made it like the more stuff on my calendar, the busier I am, the more successful I look. And that's just not true. You can be busy about a lot of dumb things. And chances are, binge-watching on Netflix is one of them. We probably just don't need to do it. Maybe we do. <laughs> but probably not. There's a time for all of it, and it's part of the plan. I love that Jesus said, don't lose heart, for in the world there will be tribulations. But what did he say next? I have overcome the world, and you belong to him who overcomes the world. So, friends, as we sit here on the precipice of a new year, 2019, and I pray we enter into it in wisdom, I pray that we enter into it with our eyes wide open, looking for every opportunity that we might make the best out of every opportunity, seeking them out, grasping for divine appointments, acting out our workmanship that we've been made to do these good works that were set out before us before we even knew which way was up. Living worthy of our calling with intentionality and with passion to make God known and the watching world know. And the watching world would know when they read your poem that you're writing with your life that God is good and God loves them. I pray we enter into 2019 with Paul's version of Carpe Diem. Seize the day. Feel alive. Be alive in every moment. Make it count. And in the words of Mr. Keating, 
make your life extraordinary. Amen. Father, thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for loving us, for meeting us here, for being, for filling this room with your presence, with your spirit. And as we wrap up this year, with all its joys and all its challenges, with all its heartbreak, we look forward to what you will do in 2019. We look forward to every opportunity that you place before us to make your love known, to make you known. In the darkest places, as we walk worthy of our calling, as we walk in love, as we walk in light, and as we walk in wisdom. I pray, Father, that we bring glory to you, that we be satisfied in everything that you provide, that we draw closer to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.